Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Well, we do start a new series today, and it's based on a book that I read over the summer. It's called The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Now, I've heard of A.W. Tozer for a long time because one of my favorite authors, Charles Swindoll, always referred to Tozer. And I never, I mean, I figured I'm reading Swindoll, why do I got to read Tozer since he influenced him? But I decided to buy the book, and on vacation, I tried to keep myself just to a chapter a day. And then it's a short book, it's very small, but I had a hard time not highlighting everything. Not that I didn't know things about God, because as we'll talk through this, there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. And the main point that we're going to drive through, so I encourage you to get the book, uh, Companion, because we're going to kind of go through that. It's not the only book we're leaning in on, but it is a powerful, concise book about the attributes of God. These are the things that we know. God is much, he's infinite, so he's much wider and beautiful than that. But this is what he's revealed of himself through the scriptures. And this is going to be the main idea we're working from is this. Your understanding of who God is dictates the course and future of your life. That's a big deal. Your understanding of who God is dictates the course and future of your life. So it's important that we get a concept of who this God that we're supposed to be hanging out with in eternity, if you're a believer in Christ, we should get to know who he is. Now, holy smoke, a couple times ago, I asked the question, have you ever met your hero? And most of the people, guys raise their hand, they all met their sports heroes over time. Have you guys ever met your hero, whether it be, now, this is the time, okay? I'm gonna stop time here. Men, your wives cannot hear me right now. This is when you lean over, grab her hand, look into her eyes and say, yes, I have, honey, and it's you. Okay, time is, husbands, take the opportunity. Yes, I have, honey. I'm, t- I'm trying to give you freebies. I'm trying to help you out. When things like this happen, just take advantage of it, okay? But how many of you met your hero? I mean, whether it be a sports or acting, okay? I, I mean, I, I have met heroes, and it's interesting. I, I read an article this last week. It was called The Reasons Why It's Bad you, That You Should Never Meet Your Hero. And it's true, down the list. You won't make an impression on them, right? I mean, think about this now. You might, most likely, will embarrass yourself. You know, you're my greatest fan. I mean, you'll say something and it'll be mixed up because here's the person that you've idolized, that you've seen on the screens, that you've seen in the sports or whatever. They may be mean to you or overly condescendingly nice to you. Um... They're not going to care what you care about. 
they're probably going to ask you for money, which is going to kind of tick you off because they're a millionaire. You know, oh, you want this autograph? That's five bucks, please. You're not going to, re- you're not going to be remembered by you. I mean, they're not going to remember you. They'll try hard to get rid of you, and they'll probably be most interested in the 12-year-old little girl next to you that's annoying him than you in the first place. They're probably going to be wearing something that's going to turn you off, maybe a wallet chain, Crocs, or something that you just, you, you had a vision in your mind, but it kind of changed that. They will be surprisingly average, and you won't, they won't be your hero anymore. In the Christian circles world, my, I have a leadership hero. His name is John Maxwell. And John Maxwell, I, I, I take, took the staff to him. Now, this is a very young Kevin and a very young Tim right here. Uh, that was in my vest days. So when you've been around here long enough, I went through my vest phase. But John Maxwell, I mean, I've got every book he's ever written. I've watched every conference, every speech. He is the guru of, of leadership. And so I was at a conference, and I told Kevin, I'm gonna, let's go down there, and I want to take a picture of me. Hold, we'll hold him up, and we'll get a picture so that when I tell him, I said, hey, anytime I see that picture on my desk, which is right there at my desk, I'll think about you, and I'll pray for you and lift you up in prayer. He thought it was the greatest thing he'd ever heard of. Man, he was all excited. We did it, took the picture. It's sitting on my desk. Months later, I was at another conference with a guy, Bill Hybels, Willow Creek, which kind of this church was started as a base of Willow Creek, their style. Bill Hybels wrote some books. We were at the conference. They're best buddies. And I said, I'm going to do the same thing. So I go down. I wait in line. Kevin's right there. And I come up to him, and I tell him the exact same thing I told Maxwell. I said, and I, I, we pick Maxwell up, and I'll put your picture right next to John, and that way we can lift you up. And that's great. That's great. And when I go to pick him up, he says, what are you doing? I'm going to pick you up. No, you're not. You're not touching me. And I realized right then. He didn't hear a single word I said. He was looking past me to the line of people behind him. I've never forgotten that. Trust me, never forgotten that. I've never read a book by him again after that. (laughs) No, because you get disappointed. But I'm telling you something. You will not get disappointed in knowing about God. Not just about him, but knowing him personally. Now, why is it important to think right about God? Sigmund Freud said this about some people's view of God. Because man desperately needs security, because he has deep-seated fears, and because he lives in a threatening world in which he has very little control over his circumstances, he invented God to meet his psychological needs. Man feels the need for an invisible means of support, but there's no God except in man's imagination according to Sigmund Freud. And myriads of people, millions of people believe that. It's just a crutch. Why, why do you, what, you're scared about dying, you do this. And so there are those who just believe it's all a part of your imagination to meet a psychological need. It's interesting how Romans puts it. Paul writes in Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. 
I believe that every person has this hole inside, if you will, that only God can fill. We can, we'll try everything in, under the sun to try to fill it up, but it brings no satisfaction because the only thing that can fill that is God. But we suppress that truth, we push that down because I don't want to have to submit to anything else. And because of the wickedness of mind, that's what has pushed it away to eliminate the truth of God. Now, it's interesting, Will Durant, who is an atheist as well, kind of had a different view of this. He said this, the greatest question of our time is not communism versus individualism. It's not Europe versus America. It's not even the East versus the West. It's whether man can bear to live without God. Could you bear to live without God? I mean, even an devout atheist sees that there's something that drives us, that there has to be something bigger than us. A very old priest, um, over well over 100 years ago, wrote in India, W.H.G. Holmes. He said that most people, when it comes to God, Look at God as just an inference, uh, uh, inference to, yeah, he's out there. I think he's out there. And so they just kind of, yeah, there has to be something and leave it at that. Other people don't even give them a thought. They only think about it when someone else brings it up. It's not a thought that they've had. And then there's others who basically God is just an idea. He, he, it's, it's the same word as goodness or love or joy. That's where God is. Now that, he was saying that a well over 100 years ago. But now with the internet and searches, I mean, you can search out a thousand different gods that portray to be God out there. We, in the age of science, we, we need to prove that God exists out there. And now what's interesting, I was, my wife and I were talking about this the other day, that new James Webb telescope that's out there. Guys, you want to see some magnificent pictures, just go to James Webb telescope. It's amazing, but... These scientific opinions and theories that they have, science has been saying about the universe and how gravity works, and da, 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 it's all being destroyed by this James Webb because it's just showing that all these theories don't work. Almost proven to the point. Again, you guys are trying to find this hole because you got a hole inside. Science isn't going to fill it. Fill it. Only God can fill it. But I think what we have today, and I think in the church, is more of a, we've talked about this before, practical atheism. Yeah, you say you believe in God, but there's nothing about your life to testify to that fact. Titus put it this way, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. Practical atheism. And this whole point of having the right idea, this is what Tozer says, Wrong ideas about God are not only the fountain from which polluted waters of idolatry flow, they are themselves idolatrous. And when you study Israel, you can understand Israel, I mean, God's chosen people and the blessings and the protection and the providing that God provided. But then they lean into other gods, mix in, judgment would come, and then God, you're the only one, and they start all over again. And God would protect them, and then they mix in with the culture, and all of a sudden other gods, boom, the cycle would go. 
church history isn't that much better. Because if you study church history, and you don't even have to go too far, I just finished up a book about this. Just, you've got, let's say, the German church in 1933, when all of a sudden Hitler was rising to power. And the most part, the German church said nothing. And because they said nothing, they intertwined themselves to where the Nazis basically told the pastors what they could say, what they couldn't say, how to meet, where they could meet. Sound familiar? And all of a sudden, they've gone away from who God is, and the government became their ruler. And the church today. There's a lot of things being said about God that just simply aren't true. They sound good. They sound fluffy. There's one pastor down south. Some of you know him, Rick Warren. He said this, God is not mad at you. He's mad about you. Now, at first you go, that just makes me feel so good that God is not mad at me, that he's mad about me, which is half true. Because, guys, if you read the scriptures, God is mad at sinners. <laughs> he's going to judge sin. It's going to happen. I mean, that's why he sent his son, so you wouldn't have to go through that. So half of that's true. He is mad about me. He loves me. He sent his son to die for me. But if I choose to stay in my sin, guys, the wrath of God is going to eventually come. So you have churches today are preaching half-truths because we want to be inclusive and we want everyone to love us. And so we don't say anything that's going to make people feel bad. They're only telling half the truth. Charles Spurgeon, I love Charles Spurgeon. I wish I would have met him because he loved the whiskey and cigars too. So... Oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with their arms about their knees, imploring them to stop and not madly destroying themselves. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Why? Because he believed in a God that talked about heaven and talked about hell. Again, this whole concept, guys, that our understanding of God. I need you to go to the, I think it's the second or third slide. I jumped this, maybe I should put it here. Because our right thinking about God determines a lot of things. Whether we accept the Bible as the word of God ultimately depends on our understanding of the nature of God. Now, I'm going to read of that phrase, and I want you guys to repeat this with me. Whether we accept the Bible as the word of God ultimately depends on our understanding of the nature of God. Whether we believe in Jesus, his life, miracles, and sacrifice on the cross ultimately depends on our understanding of the nature of God. Whether we believe in heaven or hell ultimately depends on our understanding of the nature of God. Whether we believe we have a role to play in this world ultimately depends on our understanding of the nature of God. How we have our worldview ultimately depends on how our understanding of the nature of God, how important, guys, this is. Your understanding of who God is dictates 
the course and future of your life. True worship is impacted by that. Because worship isn't just, I mean, some of you guys, okay, I know what's going to happen. They're going to have a song, and they're going to have announcements. Then they're going to have three or four more songs, and there's going to be a video, then Tim, and out we go. That's pretty much the standard service. I mean, you go to any church, we're just kind of repositioning things. It's just, you know, all those are included within that. But here's the deal. If you're just singing songs, worship songs, we call it worship songs, and some of you may not be singing, you're singing them in your head, you're singing them in your heart, I don't want anyone to hear my voice out loud because I'm going to scare people. Whatever the reason, it's still, guys, it really comes down to, do I really understand who God is? Because it's based on that that I can truly worship him. That's when worship becomes something that is directed with God. That's when, that last song, when we're talking about it's, it's he gives us the very breath to sing the songs to him. It's all tied together. And here's the deal. This is a promise. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Some of you I know have this memorized. Without faith, it is impossible. Key word, impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists, that he is there. You got to get to that point where, yes, I believe in, in God. I know he exists. And the promise is that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And this rewards isn't talking about, I'll be healthy and wealthy and wise if I believe in God. Because that's what's being taught out there. It's not that God can't reward with those things, but that's not the reward he's talking about. That when you earnestly seek after, which means it's going to take time and effort on your part, he will reward you with who he is. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says this. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? right? No one knows you better than yourself. Now your spouse might say, oh, I know my husband. She doesn't know everything. I mean, and you don't know everything about her. You never will, okay? Because we're deep people, and the only person that really knows me is me, right? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God, right? If you only know you, then God only knows God. Luckily, he doesn't put a period there and not speak toward it anymore. Verse 12, we have not received a spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we may what? Okay. Not just know about, understand that we may understand what God has freely given to us. Yes, we just sang a song that said he's still roaring like a lion. Where, where is he roaring, roaring like a lion from? What is it? From within. I know, you, I know we know this. If you've been a Christian for a while, you know, okay, I know that because, I, you know, because I'm a believer in Christ, I have the Spirit of God. And we just kind of roll that off. But do you understand? You have the roaring lion inside of you. John 16, 13 through 14. 
But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only that which he hears and he will tell you what you yet need to, will yet to come. What? He'll, he could warn me? He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and what? Making it, there's that word again, known to you. It's not talking about knowing about God, knowing things about, it's this personal relationship. I can pull up information about people, famous people, and learn certain things about them. But that's knowing about. But I've been married to my wife coming up on 38 years. I know my wife. I mean, I don't know everything about it because this is a well that has no bottom to it. I mean, I just still learn. But that's the fascination of it. Jesus said, guys, the Holy Spirit's coming and he's going to let you know things. He's going to let you know about me if you seek me. Verse 13 of of 1 Corinthians 2 says, this is what we speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. Guys, this teaching is not coming like, oh, let's, what am I going to teach you on the day? This is God speaking through us, he's saying. And in verse 14, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Have you ever been, you're trying to explain Christian things to somebody and they're just kind of looking at you like the deer in the headlight look? They don't get it? They don't understand why, why do you go to church? Why do you have to worship? Why do you give your money? Why do you spend your time? Why do you d- donate to this? Why do you, spend, you know, give volunteer time to this? They don't understand it. They don't have the Spirit of God. You do. For they are foolish to him, and he can under, not understand them. Again, back to John 16, where Jesus said, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. He will convict. And part of that how he convicts is that the words that are coming out of our mouth that has been brought to him to bring conviction about sin, about righteousness, about future judgment. Not just about love. That's part of it. Again, Hebrews says, and without faith, it is impossible to, be, impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he will reward. The Jews were always trying to trap Jesus. The Jews were always trying, the religious leaders. And so in Matthew 22, they send, send some people to try to trap him on the issue of taxes. And then that didn't work, they failed, so they try to trap him on the issue of the resurrection. That didn't work, and so they try to trap him with, Jesus, tell us what the greatest commandment is. And in Matthew 22, it says one of them, in verse 35, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Remember, they had over 600 of them. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor 
as yourself. For all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I mean, again, many of you who have been in the church can repeat that without even thinking about it. Love the Lord your God without your heart, soul, strength. Oh, it's heart, soul, mind. Heart, soul. I mean, we sing songs about it, heart and soul and mind. And he's saying, guys, this is the greatest one. This is about believing God, that you need to love him. This is your belief in him with your heart, your soul, and your mind. Oz Guinness, in his book that is called The Great Quest, compares beliefs of how we believe. And he says there's a European view, slash American view of belief, and then there's an African view of belief. The American and European view of belief is like a hunter going out deer hunting. Some of you are deer hunters. You stock it, you look, and all of a sudden you see a deer 100 yards, 200, 300 yards away. You line it up, you got your scope, you put it in your crosshairs, and you pull your finger a half inch. Boom. That's belief. See, if you just pray this prayer, you're in. Don't have to do anything else. You're good. I'm not discounting prayers, guys. I'm not discounting, because you, you got to start the communication somehow. But we have been convinced that all you have to do is pray a prayer, and you got to do nada else. Nothing. The African view is like a lion on a hunt. Because when a lion hunts, every part of his body is involved. Every muscle every sinew, claws, teeth, everything to bring down the prey, his heart, his mind, and his soul. The question is, what is our view of belief, of faith? Is it just click? Or is it it's I'm going to take all, all my heart, all my soul, all my mind to grab hold of this. And if I were to ask you the question, okay, tell us what eternal life is. Most of us would respond with, well, living forever, eternal life. It's kind of simple, Tim. Word defines itself. Well, Jesus gave us a definition of what eternal life is, John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He didn't say, now you get to live forever with me. That's the benefit. That's, that's what you get. No, he says, guys, this is eternal life. That you get to know God. You get to know Jesus Christ. Not know about but know him there's a passage in Jeremiah I will close with Jeremiah 9 verses 23 and 24 this is what the Lord says let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches but let him who boasts about this that he, what? Understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the 
declares the Lord. If you're going to boast, boast about this. Not that you know things about me, but that you know me, and I love that word again, understand. That God wants to be known. He wants to be understood at every level, which is a lifetime endeavor, guys. You'll never get to the point, ah, I got it down, I know who God is. It won't happen. As I'm going through Psalms, and I don't know how many times now in a row I've gone through Psalms, but as I'm writing it, I find different parts in it that, it, that grab, didn't grab me the first time through, because I didn't write about it, I underline it. And for, I've been writing poems connected to that psalm because it leads to this thought, leads to this thought, leads to this thought. Psalm 149, when it talks about, hey, keep the praise in your mouth, but keep your hand on your sword. Wow. We're supposed to be praising and ready for battle and war at any point in time. Yeah. How oh, that's a poem right there or a song. Just, again, as you're looking and reading things about God that you did not and understand what they mean. But guys, it takes time and effort. It takes a pursuit, those who seek me. That means whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the afternoon, whether it's at evening, you know how you work. I'm not a good seeker in the Bible at night because if I try to read the Bible at night, I'm out. It's just, I don't care what I'm reading. Get in bed, it says, my body's telling me it's sleepy time. I don't last longer when I'm sleeping in bed there. So it's the morning time. That's when it is in the cool of the morning, which I thoroughly so much enjoy. Of going out there and getting that time. Again, well, Tim, you're a pastor. You're supposed to do that. Now, this is not, this is not for you guys. This is for me. Not that I can't find so, oh man, that'll preach. I'm going to use that. And it's not that that doesn't happen. But I'm not reading so I can tell you something on Sunday morning. I have study time for that. This is my time. I express that if I write a poem about it. It's weird. I hadn't written a poem for a week or two. It just hasn't left me. And I literally was walking outside going, God, am I done doing that? And bam. I guess not. Something grabbed, something chopped out right out of Psalms and go, ah, I hadn't seen that before. That's beautiful. And if we could grab our mind around that, your understanding of who God is dictates the course of my life. It dictates the future of my life. Because when I know things about God, then my decisions will be changed. When I know things about God, how I treat my spouse will change. When I know things about God, how I treat my neighbors and my children and my, my friends change. How I act in business change. How, how I deal with money changes. Because all of a sudden, it's changing me and therefore dictating which direction I'm going, but ultimately where my future is. As Jesus said, eternal life is this. Guys, how do I do that? It's, it's not rocket science. It really isn't. It's taking the time to read and to listen. Just to sit with your Bible open and just read a passage. I've never been good at, I'm going to read the Bible through in a year. Never done it. Never done it. 
tried, started so many times, usually get dragged down in numbers and Deuteronomy. Okay, I, I'm just not wired that way. I've been camped out in the Psalms forever, which I don't mind. I'm, I'm at Psalm 149, so I got one more to go, and guess what? I'll be back to Psalm 1 again. Not that I don't read other places, because when I'm reading the Psalms, it's getting, wait a minute, this word, create a new song. A new song? What do you mean a new song? Am I supposed to sing new songs every day? And it just keeps my mind just going, going. It's there, guys, where the Holy Spirit can interpret as you're reading this. And there's great tools out there to understand further. I mean, so much stuff is online that, I mean, I can't remember the last study books that I've used that I, I mean, I lived in those things because there was no computer program. Now there's a computer program. I can type the word, get the reference, do this all on my computer. I don't have to crack a book open. I love books. I love cracking those books open because there's some books that are still not online. But the access, the resources are plentiful. It's noting things about God, noting things about nature. Just sitting back, because we don't do it very often. Just sit back and look at stuff. Not look at stuff, I gotta paint that, I gotta get those cobwebs down, gotta pull those leaves, gotta cut that, that's a dead tree over there. And so I sat, and it's talking about nature in the Psalms, and I sat there and I decided, I'm gonna count how many bushes and trees, different ones, I can see from going like this to this. It's like 27. Different trees and bushes in our in your yard. And that was just sitting in my courtyard going, wow. You made it. Again, it, to me, I'm very simple, simply pleased, guys, but that just amazes me. And then a hummingbird will come by. And then a butterfly. And I'm just taking that all in because that's part of what God has given us to relate to him and know him too. Is accept God's invitation. <laughs> the God who created the universe, the God who put the stars in the sky, knows them by name, wants to you to hang out with him. I, he wants to hang out with you. but it's not going to happen by osmosis. You can't put your Bible underneath your pillow. All right, Lord, teach me and go to sleep. It's not how it works. I have a hard time listening and learning things. People, oh, man, I, I love everything. Books, books on tape and books. You know, I've tried it. I just, my mind goes. I have to be actually looking at it and reading it. Now, I can read a whole page and go, did I just read that? What, what, I mean, i got to concentrate in doing that. I'm not saying I listen to the Bible all the time because I love to listen to someone else emphasize it maybe differently than I do. The Bible app is great for that. And you can pick the voice. You know, some voices, I couldn't listen to him. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, there it is. That sounds like God speaking right there. But pursue. Now, one thing that Tozer does do, he, he finishes each chapter with a prayer. I'm not big on other people's prayers because you know, I, I, I think, hey, that's their prayer. What's your prayer? But these prayers are so powerful. It's just like, I wish I talked like that. And now he talks, it's funny, he writes in regular English, but when he prays, it's these, thousand, those. 
one of our pastors when I was on staff in Stockton did that. I mean, uh, Pastor Harvey. And when he prayed, you just felt like he was in the presence of God. Oh, Father, thy will. I mean, you just knew he was talking to God. I mean, I, I, I don't talk like I don't pray that way. But I'm going to put his prayer up on the screen. It's a powerful prayer for us today. Oh, God, quicken to life every power within me that I may lay hold on eternal things. Open my eyes that I may see. Give me acute spiritual perception. Enable me to taste thee and know that thou art good. Make heaven more real to me than any earthly thing has ever been. See, music angels playing right there. <laughs> what a powerful prayer. Father, thank you for waking us up and getting us dressed in here, which means you're not done with us yet. And you want us to seek you to know you. That's kind of mind-boggling. With as much things that pull out our time, may we take the invitation. Father, may we look at our belief not as just pulling the trigger and done, but it involves our mind, our heart, our soul, every muscle, every sinew, every claw every teeth mark because you want us to engage everything with you. And Father, the direction of our lives depends on this. Our future depends on this. So well, may you release the power within me to see you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, may your people who are called by your name seek after you and may you reward us. We pray this in Jesus' name.